Hello and welcome to our midweek podcast from Villa Presbyterian Church. Trusted you're all keeping safe and well. We come together in this time to worship God, to take that time to remind ourselves of God's blessings to us in all that we may do. Even as I know for many it's a very busy time of year, but we just take this half hour uh, to worship God. During uh, this episode, we're going to re-listen to one of our evening services in the villa uh, that we were looking at the birth of another baby boy uh, in the Old Testament, the, the story of the birth of Samuel uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 1. But as we come to worship God, let me read these words. Words from 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. In these words, we recognise the change that Jesus has brought as he came into this world. Let us come to our God now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this time to worship you, to seek and to follow the things of you, and to know of your goodness and love to each one of us. Lord, be with us, we pray. Help us know that of that joy that we have in you. Help us to know, Lord, that through all things you are the one who is the constant, the one who is able, through all that we may face that we may know those rich promises that are found in you. Lord, be with us now, we pray, in Jesus' loving name. Amen. We're going to listen to our first item of praise now. Hear the call of the kingdom. Thank you. 
First Samuel chapter 1. We're, we're, as we go through the journey in the Old Testament, we're doing a theme of really impossible births. As even this morning, we were looking at Elizabeth and Zechariah. But this, uh, this evening, we're going to come to this story of the birth of Samuel. And I'm going to read through this whole chapter, chapter 1 of First Samuel tonight. Let us come to God's Word. There was a certain man from Raphaim of a, a, a Zerovite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elakin, son of Jeroboam, son of Elhad, son of Tolu, the son of Zulf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penelon. Penelon had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up uh, from his town to worship and sacrifice to the, Almighty, uh, the Lord Almighty at Shul, where Hophra and Phyllis, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elikai to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Phyllai uh, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Alakin, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shoal, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness, of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were not moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. 
I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home in Rahan. Eliakim lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel by saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Eliakim went up uh, with all his family to offer an annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy, the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Eliakim, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until he had weaned, uh, she had weaned him. And after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephod of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shohal. When they heard, they, when they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and he said, and she said to him. As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Here we end the reading of God's word to us. So as we're looking through this passage this evening, the question that I think comes to mind as we read through it, does God care? And one of the beautiful truths that the Bible shows us is that God cares about every individual need, but he also cares about the big picture things. He cares about the world and the state it is in. He cares uh, about the countries and the way they're moving. But he also cares about every individual and what is happening in their lives. I don't know about you, but that's something that it's very hard to get your head around. We live in a world where uh, people are, become CEOs of companies. They are the big picture, big picture people. They are gifted in doing the big picture things, but they don't worry about the little things. Yet here we have a God who does both and cares about both. The nation of Israel, God's people, 
are looking for a leader. They're looking for direction. And this has been going on since we've been looking at the book of Judges. We've seen the book of Judges, how God raised up judges to guide his people, to rescue them and to bring them closer to him. And even before that, uh, the person of Joshua, he was God's man to lead his people. And in the introduction uh, to this book in 1 Samuel, we begin to see the leadership crisis that was facing the people of Israel. About the middle of the 11th century, um, for some 200 years, they had experienced instability as a community and insecurity as a nation. Leadership structures of a permanent and stable kind had not yet emerged in Israel. And life was far from what God had promised before they had entered this land that he had given to them. Leadership. It's something now, even now we know the the truth, don't we, of worldly and stable leadership. All of us choose leaders and reject leaders. We allow some people to influence us and we reject the influence of others. This happens in many different ways as we choose a career, as we learn, as we make important decisions, as we make life choices, as we develop our values. We do not do these things in isolation. We live our lives, and they are shaped by the influences of different people whose example or ideas or vision or teaching or values we follow. So the first question we think about here is what kind of leadership did this troubled society need in Israel? It's the opposite, isn't it, of maybe the question that we asked a lot about leadership. We asked what kind of leader are you, and then we decide if we're following. But God's response to the leadership question is what kind of leader did they need? The question had a particular spin. What kind of leader did God's people need at this time? And the lesson for us in 1 Samuel is that God's answer to the crisis in Israel is like God's answer to the crisis in the world. It comes from the most unexpected place. If we insist on looking to the powerful and the influential, and the impressiveness of this world, we miss what God is doing. For here it began for Israel with this childless woman with the family connections to Bethlehem. We see here that God cares for this individual need. And in response to that, a leader, Samuel, emerges for God's people. As we think about that question, does God care? We can look for the answer uh, uh, to individuals, to what's happening in our world, and ask, what's God doing about it? But if this is the truth, then our hopes rest on the best and the wisest people that we can find. But if there's a God who does care about these things, we would be very foolish to carry on as though that was not true. 
Our first response to this question is to see and understand the God of the Bible. And in that, we can recognize one who does care. I'm sure the people of Israel in this time was asking that question, does God, does God really care about us and what is happening? It was a question raised by these circumstances, as sharply as it was raised by the disappointment, I'm sure, of Hannah. In a situation of a marriage in which she was shown every day as someone who was contributing more, a rival wife. If God cared, what precisely did he care about? And how was this care expressed? Did he care about Hannah's distress? Did he care about Israel's suffering? Every year, Hannah's husband went to worship the Lord of hosts and to offer sacrifices. And our first impressions of Eliakim are of a man who took the Lord seriously and was attentive to his responsibilities before God. Eliakim was a man of faith. He gave thanks to God and honored him in a way appropriate to his time. But we also see here a picture. We see a picture of someone who lived many years with unanswered prayer. I'm sure Hannah was asking again and again for the Lord to do something. And here, probably in our lowest ebb, when she has been shown again and again, provoked and irritated by Aphila, the arrival wife, here we see Hannah's response. In verse 9 to 11, we see this prayer that Hannah gave to the Lord. Hannah, who was far, who has so far in the story been very passive recipient of the action of others, she now acts. Her actions will turn out to change not only her life, but the life of the nation and also the history of the world. Deeply distressed, Hannah is coming before the Lord with disappointment, dissatisfaction, discontent, an agony of soul. She was a deeply unhappy woman, but out of her misery and her tears, Hannah prayed to the Lord. We recognize this position as one who had faith in a God who acted, faith in a God who cared. And it leads us in our troubles to pray to the God who is sovereign over all things. That's Hannah's response. When Hannah asked God to look on her affliction, she was echoing the language of God's dealing that she knew of Israel already. It took her back to the exodus from Egypt in the days of Moses, that historic act by which God redeemed his people. God heard the calling of the agony of his people, and he acted and brought them to himself to be his people. Hannah 
came before God and asked God to do for her what he had done for Israel in the days of Moses. She was asking God to do what God had done and showing his characteristics towards his people. And notice in her prayer, she addressed God in terms that acknowledged his majesty and power. She approached God in terms that acknowledged her place before him, calling herself his servant. She made her request known before God, but she also made a vow before God as well, knowing that if God willed this to happen, then she also uh, would make that vow to God. In verse 20, we see this uh, request being granted by God. That Hannah uh, gave birth to a boy and named the boy Samuel. In Hebrew, the name Samuel sounds a little like asked for. She used asked four times, and now the Lord had granted me what I asked for. For the time being, our story will conclude with the boy Samuel, you notice in verse 28, worshipping the Lord. So what is this chapter showing us? It's not showing us a, a, a model for coming before the Lord to get our prayers answered. It's not showing us uh, about the importance of going to worship God, but it's about the character of God. First Samuel begins by showing us a God that cared for Hannah. We will see as this story unfolds that he cares for Hannah was his cares for Israel also. What he did for Hannah would turn out to be for Israel also. Samuel would turn out to be, in Israel's ways, part of God's answer to Israel's leadership troubles. First Samuel points us to the most unexpected starting point for the answer that God is going to provide for a leadership crisis for Israel. He would have looked twice at this miserable, sobbing Hannah for the answer to Israel's crisis. We expect to find answers from powerful, but Hannah was not powerful. Her family were a family of nobodies. But the point of her story, however, is that God notices and God cares. And God uses the unexpected to bring his plans to fruition. Does God care? Yes. He cares about the leadership of his people, Israel, and gave Hannah a son. He cares about the leadership of the world and of us. Hannah's son will be surpassed by the greater Mary's son. God cares for us all, and it finds an expression in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you belong to him, then you learn to cast all of your anxieties on him 
because he cares for you. Those words in 1 Peter 5. We recognize in this story a God who cares for each individual need. A God who cares about the big things that are happening in this world. But each of those cares are met in the person of the Lord Jesus. The place of Bethlehem where the child of God came into this world. The most unexpected and most, uh, uh, the most humble place that the God of this world entered into this world to show he cares for it. Let us come to him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbled, recognizing that you know our each individual need, and you know the need of this world and the things that need to happen. And we ask this evening, as we come together, that we may see your leadership working in this world, that we may see what it means uh, to trust in you with the things that are happening in our lives, and that we may see you as the one who guides and directs us through them all. Lord, we pray that we may continue to come before you to see your power and your glory at work in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask all these things in his gracious and loving name. Amen.
which I have loved long since and lost a while. That last item of praise, lead kindly light. We come together at the end of our podcast as we always do and just take some time now in the prayer for others. As we recognise the busyness uh, of this uh, time of year, we recognise the importance of being able to come to God in prayer and to bring others before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to lift before you those uh, this evening who are in need of your grace who are in need of knowing about the things of you. For Lord, we know you are a God who is always there, a God who knows our every need, and one who can richly provide for us. And so, Lord, we bring before you those who are going without in this time of year. We pray, Lord, for those who struggle from day to day. We pray, Lord, Uh, for those who have no homes to go to. And Lord, we ask that they may know of your promises to them. They may know of that light in darkness. And Lord, we pray that they may find the help that they need, that they may know, Lord, uh, that in you uh, they have those gracious promises that will never be taken away from them. Help us, Lord, as a society, to look to those who are in need, to help those, Lord, that need it most. Lord, we want to also lift up before you those who, at this time of year, find things really tough, find it hard uh, to go from one day to the next. Help them, Lord, know of your gracious and loving hand upon them, Help them know, Lord, of what it means to seek and to follow you in every way. And Lord, we come before you in these days, knowing that in all that we do this time of year, in all, Lord, that we uh, look to achieve, we look to that wonderful promise, that wonderful joy being fulfilled as your Son came into this world flesh, uh, divine flesh coming into this world. We thank you and we ask Lord that we may know that through all that we may face in life we can look to Jesus. We can look to that one who came into this world for us, who uh, experienced the things that we did, who tasted the same air that we have, but was sinless in every way. Lived that life that we could only uh, imagine. And that we may know, Lord, of that joy of the salvation that was found in him. Lord, we pray that through this time of year, we may know those rich promises working each day in our lives. And Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' loving name, Amen. As we 
finished. May you have a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. And uh, uh, you, uh, we will pick up our podcasts again in 2023. God bless you all. Let us finish with the words of benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.